think the big thing that I want women in this age group to mentally start working towards is I can still do all these things I want to do. I can be a mom. I can run my business. I can enjoy life with my partner. I can experience this world, but I need to shift the glasses I'm wearing. I need to start looking at it through this lens of how my body is set up versus trying to do everything and fighting my physiology. And I think that is, that's just a very powerful way of starting to shift like those really high self-expectations we put on ourselves. If you are a woman who has tried to juggle it all and have certain times during the month where you just don't feel up to it, you want to shut off the world and are so overwhelmed by the tasks that you have, this is going to be such an inspirational podcast for you. In this episode, Dr. Laura, functional medicine practitioner, health strategist, and female hormone expert, and I delve into what's going on each week of our cycle, what hormones are and aren't being released, and how we can sync our cycles with biohacking tools, with some foods, with our exercise routine, and also just having greater understanding of what our body's asking for during this time can help massively change our outcomes each month. This podcast will also help give you permission during those weeks where you may not feel like doing so much to actually listen to your body when you understand from a hormonal perspective what's going on. These are conversations that we should have all learned from the day that we got our period, and I am so excited for the future because I feel like this is just going to be a topic that our daughters and their daughters have such a more in-depth understanding of. I'm so excited for you to walk away empowered with so much of this information. Enjoy. Welcome, Dr. Laura DeCiceris. So excited to have you here. Uh, Dr. Laura is a functional medicine practitioner. She is a health strategist. She is an expert, although she may not describe it that way, in women's hormone hormone health and brain optimization. And I'm so excited for you guys to all get to essentially pick her brain through the questions that I ask her. Welcome, Dr. Laura. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I am so excited for this conversation today. Me too. So Dr. Laura used to work with us in our New Jersey office eons ago, and it's just been incredible to see you thriving and all the things that you're leaning into. And I really feel that you know the conversation that we're going to have today is really for every woman. But if we really want to narrow it down, it's you know, for the woman who knows she can feel better and maybe doesn't know how or why, I know we're going to talk about the physiology and, you know, the things that happen in each week of our cycle. And you're so passionate about, you know, helping women really lean into that and giving ourselves permission to do what our bodies are actually begging for, you know, during the times of our cycle where we're just wiped out and maybe we don't feel like socializing, there's reasons for that. And I know we're going to get into that. So, so excited to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I'm sure, like you said, we'll talk more about this, but my goal is really for women to remember to reconnect to who we are inside. We can tend to get so focused on where we need to be, who we need to be taking care of. What's the supplement I have to take? What's the protocol? And we kind of forget that really important piece of reconnecting to our body and actually listening to it. So I think this conversation, at least my hope for it, is that it's going to be very enlightening to kind of bring that piece, that more feminine, energetic side of our health into the, into the picture. Yeah, I love it. And I love what you, you just said there. You know, I really feel that if we just tapped in and really listened to what our body was telling us it needed, all the things that we're going to talk about are things that would be very apparent. And I think we've just gotten so far from there. And so 
the tools that we're going to give women in this conversation, I think are really good segues just, you know, perhaps for the people that almost like need permission to lean into these behaviors again, that their body's asking them for. And then hopefully we all just get to the point where we can tune in and listen and just let our bodies guide us. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do a little learning. We'll do a little unlearning and uh, just look at our bodies completely differently moving forward. Amazing. Well, before we get started, let's chat a little bit about how you got into this. I know you've got a personal story of healing. Yeah. I feel like I fell into this somehow magically. A lot of people grow up and they're like, yes, I always knew I wanted to do this. I went down this exact path to get here. Um, And that's really not my story. I had a very roundabout way of getting to working with women in this way. You know, when I was growing up, I actually thought I wanted to go into cancer research just from having some close family members, my mom deal with thyroid cancer, uh, went to college, got a job in a lab and found I hated being in a research setting. So that was one start to, okay, it's not going to quite look like this, even though I I love the nerdiness side of biochemistry and research, that setting wasn't for me. So I think the next logical step for a lot of people who are interested in health and medicine is, okay, well, I guess I'll go into healthcare, become a doctor. But I remember going to visit medical schools and asking questions about like, what about nutrition? Do you teach things about that? And like kind of getting laughed at, you know, that might be different now. Like that was, that was quite a while ago when I look back, (laughs) well over 15 years ago. Um, But it just didn't feel right. So I was really fortunate when I was wrapping up college that my mom actually forced me to go see a chiropractor, which I knew nothing about. Uh, I kind of just was humoring my mom, but I came home from college and was just a wreck, like back hurt from studying, used to be an athlete, wasn't having the time to work out the way I used to now. Um, So I'm like, all right, I'll go see this lady, see what she can do. And she changed my life. That lady looked at me, she would touch different parts of my body and know all these things about my digestion, my sleep, my stress, my my gum health, and like literally my jaw just hit the floor listening to this lady. And I actually applied to chiropractic school the next day, Um, just jumped in with both feet, off we went. And when I was in chiropractic school, I had a mentor who introduced me to functional medicine. And that really was the light bulb of like, oh, this is what I'm, this is what I'm looking for. We're looking at the physical body. We're looking at how that connects to our emotions, to our nutrition, to our environment. And really that changed my life in terms of my own health. Around that same time, I'd been diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease and was told medication for life was the only way. Thankfully, learning functional medicine showed me that was very much not the case. And it's been in remission for about 10 years at this point. And shortly after I finished Cairo school, I was introduced to two wonderful humans named Jason and Melissa Saunders in New Jersey. And, you know, the rest is history. Started learning more in your guys' clinic. So this is really a full circle moment for me uh, in terms of sharing my story with you. And then this last kind of leg of my journey, I'm out in Arizona now. I'm working virtually with women all over the world really some of that came just with the shifts through, you know, the pandemic and all of that. A lot of people moving virtually, seeing the potential for it. But I think a lot of it was also just reflected in my own growth. Like I stepped into this new version of myself where I wanted to just be better. I wanted to reach more women. I wanted to specifically work with women that had this bigger vision for themselves, for their family, for really the world. I think entrepreneurs and like working moms just have 
the most innovative, cool ideas on how to make the world a better place. And I kept watching these women build businesses completely burning out, you know, sacrificing their health while they did it. And to me, I'm like, this is, this is the place where I want to be. I want to teach these women how to work more in alignment with their bodies so that they can continue to create, continue to provide value, continue to strive to like make this world a better place than they found it without putting themselves on the back burner because we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to choose. We shouldn't have to, you know, sacrifice our well-being just to do the things that we want to do in life. So a very roundabout way of getting to be in the women's health and hormone and brain space. But each of those experiences taught me something very different um, that now I get to bring with me into my work with women, the structural component, the stress component, the mental component, the hormone component. So things really do happen for a reason, I guess is my big takeaway. (laughs) They definitely do. And it's been such an honor to watch your journey, even from a distance since you know, you made your move and I I feel like you have stepped into your calling. And it's so beautiful because, you know, women now, I think we all know this. We know we're knowing that we deserve better. We deserve more from our doctors. I think a lot of women are realizing that, you know, our doctors do work for us and we can fire doctors who aren't there to give us more options. You know, you said that you went the functional medicine route for your thyroid condition. And, you know, I know the reality of the path that you chose, you could have gone one way or the other. And one way would have absolutely destroyed your health. We know that the medicines that these women are going on for thyroid conditions are, there's so many side effects. And the route that you went and so many other women are choosing now, there's so many side benefits. I know you've talked about your hair has gotten um, thicker and more healthy and your energy and you're glowing and you're radiating and there's just so many options that we have now as women. And I absolutely love everything you're doing. And um, so thank you again. I'm so glad to spend this time with you. Oh, likewise. I'm so proud of you, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what's really cool too, is we're recording this on International Women's Day, which is just so amazing. And I want to start just by talking about, you know, women's brains. And you talk about, you know, that you love working with this entrepreneurs and really any mom, any woman is is like the CEO of their company, whether it's their family or all the things that we're organizing and running around and coordinating. I feel that we all are, I like to use the word mompreneurs, but the, you know, we now know the female brain is so different than the male brain. And so there's these times that I know every woman listening to this has experienced this, like no matter what kind of hustle you have as a woman, there are days, there are weeks where you don't feel like doing a thing. And there's a reason for that. And some of the topics that we're going to cover today with Dr. Laura are going to help women to figure out how to optimize their brain function and with a few little hacks, support the hormones that are going on to help us feel differently during those times to do what we have to do, but also honoring what our body's begging for us to do. Yeah. So many, so many good little gems in there. And it's true. When you think about things that a CEO, a business owner is doing, is managing, is juggling each day. You know, if you're listening to this and you're a mom and you're like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm not a business owner, you're still doing the same tasks in terms of your brain, right? We're managing kids' schedules, grocery lists, meal planning, cleaning, cooking, like all of these other things. So it's it's similar cognitive functions regardless of where you're applying it. Mm-hmm. Love that. 
And can you speak a little bit to the hormone fluctuations that actually occur in our brain from a progesterone and estrogen standpoint? Yeah. So I, it's really interesting. I, I still feel like the brain is kind of the forgotten organ, like the forgotten piece of the connection, especially when we're talking hormone health. Maybe it's just, it's not as sexy as like adrenal fatigue or, you know, talking about <laughs> periods and stuff like that. But really the brain has this central role in all of that which is really fascinating to me. You know, you can have healthy ovaries, you can have healthy, you know, adrenal glands, but if the brain is inflamed, if that brain connecting piece isn't sending signals, you can get a lot of hormone dysfunction. So specifically when we look at the female brain, it's, it actually has a ton of receptors in various areas of it for estrogen, for progesterone. Plus we know it plays a very central role in actually starting the hormonal signals that allow us to even ovulate. So it's such a central role, not just for having a regular menstrual cycle, but also to respond to those hormone levels. And this is why, you know, as women start to experience perimenopause and menopause, they get a lot of brain-based symptoms. Like anyone has heard that phrase, menopause brain, a little bit of brain fog, not sleeping as well, hot flashes, anxiety. These are all brain-based symptoms because of all of these estrogen and progesterone receptors. And so we can actually see then as hormones are fluctuating over the course of a menstrual cycle, that means different parts of the brain are lighting up more in one versus the other. Is it an estrogen-rich environment? Is it an estrogen-poor environment? And that's going to determine how we feel how we can perform in terms of cognitive functions like memory, learning, integrating information. It can change how social we feel, how much we want to be around other people versus maybe wanting to take a little bit of alone time, quieter time, things like that. So I don't know where you want to start if you kind of want to go through phase by phase and we'll talk about the hormone brain connection just so people can really understand this, this sort of symphony that's going on every month. Yeah. I mean, the more that I've learned about this, what I actually do is I have my calendar and I know like based on my cycle, these are times where I'm going to feel like I could conquer the world. I love some of your posts. It's like, I'm going to speak and thank God I'm in this phase of my cycle. And there's times when I'm maybe not going to feel that way so much. So as much as I can, I fluctuate my schedule based on those things. I work in self-care based on certain times in my cycle. Like that's when we're going to want it more. So What I would love to do is, yes, absolutely like break down each week. And there are a lot of educated women out there that have no idea what progesterone is or estrogen is. Like we were not taught this as women growing up. And I know we're all here to create this shift in the next generation. It's so important. So let's even like break it down almost to like a fifth grade level as we're talking about each phase. My goal is for these women to be empowered each, each week of their cycle as to what's going on. And then for women, you know, I know you've talked about this with your clients to be able to go into your OBGYN and have an educated conversation about your hormones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's true. We are woefully undereducated when it comes to our hormone health, to our periods. I know I didn't even learn about much of this in even my graduate programs. This was me going and learning it by, by my own will, looking for programs where I could learn, diving into PubMed. Like it's just, I, I'm hoping that is changing, but it, it really is not a part of most medical education, let alone for the lay person who isn't diving deep into this, this stuff. Um, so the other benefit of it for all you moms out there is once you get to learn this, 
you also get to teach it to your daughter, to your son, to your kids. And that's how we enact kind of this change of people better understanding what's actually happening. I, I don't know about you, but I also really hope that in the next generation or, you know, maybe our grandkids generation, like, can we stop looking at periods as something gross and weird and almost like a something bad that happens every month? Like it's, it's actually really, really cool when you think about it. Absolutely. Like to, to get rid of some of the guilt and shame around our periods, around our cycle, and then also just around how we feel. Like these are rituals that we can reincorporate. They're beautiful, beautiful ceremonies of, you know, sitting down in more quiet and listening and being in internal. And there's so much that comes from that. So yeah, let's do all the things. Let's start with week one, like period. You think that's the best place to start? Yeah. So let's start, let's start with your period menstrual phase. And this can be all of week one. This can be three or four days. Really, it depends on the woman. I think a lot of times we try and figure out like, I want to know exactly what days each phase are going to be. But really for a regular menstrual cycle can be like 25 to even 35 days. It's more about consistency versus jumping around from short to long cycle. So that first phase, you know, when you actually get your period, we call day one, the day that you're bleeding starts. And so What's happening hormonally here is that all of our hormones have kind of taken a nosedive. So things like estrogen and progesterone, which are typically what we call female sex hormones, men still have them, but these are really what are responsible for us looking like women, for us being able to ovulate, for us being able to be fertile and have kids made by the ovaries. When we start to get our period, we get it because those hormones have kind of bottomed out. They're very low at this time. And in terms of how this can impact the brain along with it, another connection here is that our brain neurotransmitters, so if you've heard of things like serotonin or dopamine, those have gone along for the ride and decreased a little bit. So generally what this feels like for women when they first get their period is you can feel really tired. You can feel like you just want to be alone. You don't feel super social. You can kind of feel moody or almost just like a little apathetic for a day or so, like really hard to stay motivated, really hard to feel overjoyed at things because of all of these decreases in hormones and brain neurotransmitters, because those brain neurotransmitters are, are kind of what lets us feel different emotions. They, they can help us feel excited or loving or motivated to do work. So when there's not a higher concentration of them. It's difficult for us to feel like we want to go do work, like we can go, you know, be power mom, power entrepreneur, and like get shit done. It just, we are biochemically not wired to really feel that way. What we are wired to do at this point is look inward. We're supposed to slow down. We're supposed to be a little quiet, spend a little time not focusing on outward tasks, but just coming into ourselves. So have you ever heard the story of the red tent out of curiosity? Yeah, and let's talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, so in various different tribal cultures, there was this concept, this idea of the red tent. And it, it was not a place to like send women as outcasts when they got their period. Rather, what they found was, first of all, a lot of women were all synced up on their cycles because before modern times with artificial lighting and everything, cycles were often aligned to the lunar cycle, to the moon cycle. So a lot of women in the tribes would all be getting their period at the same time. 
And what the tribe realized was this was a really interesting opportunity for the tribe as a whole to bring these women together because they sensed that their intuition, their ability to really think about how things have been going and make better decisions about where you know resources could be allocated, where if they wanted things to go moving forward, it was absolutely at its peak when the women in the tribe all had their period. So the red tent served as this place where as a tribe, they would make really big decisions for the tribe as a whole, which is like really powerful when you think about it. And so switching to modern times, we don't have a red tent. Now we're kind of all isolated in our homes. So something to think about is, okay, well, how can we translate that to what we're doing today? So whether you're an entrepreneur or a CEO, whether you're a mom, whether you're both, okay, great time to tap into your intuition. Great time to like take a step back and be like, what's working? What's not? How did last month go? What do we need to change to move things in the right direction next month? Allocating home resources, business resources. So this is just like a great inner reflection time. You're wired to do it. You're not wired to go do super intense things. The flip side of that is, some of us also know we have to show up, even if we're not, you know, at, we're at this point in the cycle where we're like, man, I should not have scheduled that speech for tomorrow, but this is what it is. All right. So now we know hormones are low, brain neurochemistry is low. Now we know the areas we need to support so we can show up. Like, all right, I'm going to need a little extra love, maybe do some things that really boost up my serotonin and dopamine, whether it's biohacking tools, supplements, things like that. So you start to learn this information so that ideally you can align your life as we go through these phases. But also once you understand what's happening hormonally and in your brain, now you know that if you have to show up, even if it's not like the best time in your cycle, you know what you need to do to support it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the really important things I really want every woman listening to take away is the word effective. So we can still be so effective in each phase of our cycle if we just reframe. And I know for a lot of us, we're go-getters and we're just trying to, you know, constantly do it all and juggle it all. And I think a lot of us have forgotten about how powerful this quiet internal time is. I'm definitely one and it's, it's become new to me, but the more and more we do it, the more we can realize how powerful that time can be. And so what I've embraced is during that time, when I do have a spare minute, I'm not forcing myself to, you know, bang out content or catch up on all my emails or do these lofty things. I'm giving myself that time and quiet because I know that's when my intuition is so high and I'm going to come up with some great ideas, perhaps, or just creating space. The ideas will come later. But this is the time when we sit more and allow space for that creative time and journal. You know, this is when I'll spend a lot of time journaling or going on my PMF mat, like just really, really grounding things. Do you want to talk about any of the biohacks and things? Or is that, I know we're going to talk about some of your programs that you offer at the end. Is that better for people to get that information from there? Yeah. Before we move on to the next phase, you know, maybe what are some ways you can support yourself right now? The the two areas I usually like to direct people are self-care, Uh, This is generally a part in your cycle where you want to set aside a little extra time for that self-care, whether that's slower mornings, whether that's, you know, Epsom salt baths, PEMF is great. Things that really let you just dial in that parasympathetic part of the nervous system, help bring you down a little bit. 
Um, a lot of women find they don't handle stress quite as well when their period is first starting. Like nervous system has a little bit more of a sympathetic quality, meaning it's like a little more prone to stress. So when you have your period, it's a great time to do those things that, you know, just bring you down a little bit. The slower meditations and breath work, the PEMF, maybe like 20 minute sessions in a sauna, things that just help calm, help you feel nice and relaxed. Um, some people don't necessarily feel like working out. I generally still do. I find I'm just not going like full Monty a hundred percent. I'm taking more breaks and maybe bringing the weights down a little bit. Maybe I'm doing more of like a hike instead. I'm a big fan when it comes to matching exercise with your cycle. It's like all about listening to your body because some women, if you're experiencing a lot of PMS symptoms, like you may not feel like working out. Like you may be really uncomfortable until you fix that underlying hormone dysfunction. But if you're feeling pretty good and you're like, you know, you know, I'm a little tired. Like I know I shouldn't go all out, but I still feel will feel better if I go move around. By all means, like go move around. Uh, you know, don't feel like you can't exercise. If anything, sometimes it can help with things. So really when we look at self-care, when we look at workouts, we're just trying not to overly stress the body out more. Again, we just don't have that hormone profile to really handle that. Mm -hmm. And what about ice baths? I would think ice baths would not be appropriate during this time. So now we start hitting the issue of women not being included in a lot of research <laughs> for many reasons. You know, it, it's one of those things that women who have menstrual cycles are often left out of research because we're hard to study. We're constantly changing. So while I, I know that is on its way to change, and I've, I've had the honor of meeting a lot of women who are really, you know, spearheading some research in this area, my own personal feeling about it is if I'm going to decide on a different biohacking tool, I'm going to learn about what that does to my hormones, to my stress hormones, to my brain neurochemistry, and I'm going to try and match that with my cycle. So for me, a, an ice bath, a cold plunge, I love those to like really wake my brain up. They make me feel good. Um, however, it is temporarily stressful on the body. It does raise cortisol. So as I'm later on in my cycle, I'm about to start my period, I don't do them. I don't think I'm actually primed to do the best, to get the best benefits from them. Maybe if I like have a, a day like this morning in the podcast, I'll do like a quick 30 second cold shower at the end, but I'm generally not getting in an ice tub at this part of my cycle. I'm going to save that for as I'm heading into the next phase, as I'm heading into ovulation, where I know I'm primed to really get those benefits from it. Perfect. Okay. And then last question on this phase, just because you touched on the PMS, we're talking a lot about, you know, these natural feelings that we have during this time of going internal. At the same time, do you feel that like painful periods and intense cramping is something that we, I know it's, it's typical, but is it normal? Meaning a lot of women suffer from it, but is it normal that we should suffer from it? Or is it something that when we get our hormones in their state that they're meant to be in that, that typically goes away? 100%. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. And it's in fact so common that I think a lot of women go to their primary care, to their OB, to their doctor, and they're like, oh, it's fine. Take some ibuprofen. It'll be gone in a week. But like a week of your month times 12, 12 weeks, three months of your year that you're accepting that you have to feel this way. And there's so many emotions tied into this too, right? Like for women that have debilitating cramps and things like that, the thought of doing anything other than anti-inflammatories can be terrifying because that's the only thing that lets them function. But the reality is there is a lot you can do. And a lot of times it has to do not just with hormone levels, but 
how is your body metabolizing and eliminating those hormones? You know, is is it more of a problem in your gut and your detox and drainage pathways? Is it stress related? Is it what's coming into your environment? And I think there's so many areas to look at that we don't consider because we've kind of, we've been stuck in this model of, oh, something hurts, take this, make it go away. But as we start to understand not only what's happening with our hormones, but all of the things that impact them, that can be a game changer for for not just alleviating those symptoms in the moment, but for setting yourself up for success so that they don't keep coming back. So really, you know, if, if you kind of get your hormones balanced out, things like that, yeah, maybe you have a day with some cramps, a little bit of discomfort, they're not debilitating. Like that is a possibility for most women that I just think they're not, not educated about, you know, different tools to look at it. Absolutely. And I know you help so many women with that. So thank you. Okay. So summarizing phase one, it's, you know, listen and basically whatever feels good. So grounding downtime walks in nature. If that feels good, if it's warm, a great book, a cup of tea, slow coffee, like all the things that just sound so yummy and nurturing. Now let's jump to phase two. Yeah. So after our period, uh, we kind of are shifting more into something called the follicular phase. And there's some overlap here, like the follicular phase technically overlaps with menstrual phase. But really, for all intents and purposes, as bleeding is ending, uh, we enter follicular phase and we're there right through ovulation. Um, generally, most women start to feel really good. So for a lot of us, it's around like maybe day three, day four, like those hormones start coming back up. Estrogen is rising again. Those brain neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine coming along with it. Generally, we're like, okay, it's over. We feel really good right now. And we're out of the class. Exactly. I, I like sing this song in my head, Gloria Stefan. It's so nerdy coming out of the dark. <laughs> but like every time, like day four, I'm like, oh my God, the light. Yeah. And and as as that estrogen is rising. That means, you know, going back to that conversation around the brain, how it has all these estrogen receptors, that means now brain parts are lighting up again. And specifically the areas that we're looking at are things like prefrontal cortex, like things that are involved in a lot of those executive cognitive functions, areas like the hippocampus involved in memory. Um, so now we're like getting a little better at just those it, figuring things out, the planning, the creating, like those things are really, we're at our prime right now. So you mentioned before, or you like to just journal, reflect, tap into that intuition when you have your period. Now in the follicular phase where the brain power really shines is this is a great time to be creative, to put out the content, to make the big plans for the month. Think about what you need to do. Um, really, this is like stepping into CEO role. This is where we're really primed to do, to do that. So if you're running a business, it's a great time to schedule your team meetings, step into that leadership role, because we're really primed to do that based on what the hormones are causing in our brain as well as having all of those neurotransmitters return to us. As we kind of look then at that nervous system stress component, now we have, interestingly, a little more of a parasympathetic component to our nervous system, meaning we actually handle stress better. We can tolerate a higher stress load in this follicular phase without necessarily feeling overly frazzled, overly worn out. So this is a great time if you know you have a busy schedule coming up easier time to pack it into your follicular phase to kind of challenge yourself that way. And also a great time to stress your body out in terms of biohacking to build resilience. So this would be the time to do the cold plunges, the long sauna sessions, the hot, cold contrast therapy, things that are really going to challenge you 
from a stress system to build that resilience long-term. And same goes for working out. Like with estrogen, we also tend to be, we tend to feel a little stronger. Good time for women to start going after like PRs in the weight room, doing the longer endurance runs. If you're an endurance athlete, like we generally feel better and our need for self-care can feel a little less. Like we may not feel like we need to carve out quite as much time for ourselves. We can kind of feel like just superwoman during this phase as long as everything is lined up, which is really cool. And so some women may still be bleeding during this time. This starts around day four, fluctuates, I know you said, but that they don't have to wait until they're stopping bleeding to lean into this. It's it's a little bit different for everybody. Yeah. And like, like we said, like some women will have a cycle that maybe they're only bleeding for three or four days. Other women may bleed for a whole week, but usually there's a point where they're like, okay, yes, I'm bleeding, but I... I don't feel so tired. Like I have the energy. I feel good. It's just, I'm still having some bleeding. Um, it varies from woman to woman. So it's not like this set time where it's like, oh, day seven, I can't do these things until day seven. Like there is having to tap into that little bit of, okay, what's going on and how am I feeling right now? How am I showing up? But most of us intuitively feel that we know we're like, okay, back to normal. Ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Okay. Anything else on that phase before we move on? I don't think so. Really, it's, you know, if you if you are running a business, things like that, like really, this is when I try and get my entrepreneurs, like schedule all your content stuff out, like brainstorm the big topics you want to talk about, like go off, do your networking, run your team meetings, great time for all of that. Yeah. I love when this part of my cycle syncs up with travel, like conferences, events, speaking, all the things. It's like, you're ready to be out of your shell. And mm-hmm. um, like, like it just, we handle stress better around this time. So everything just feels easier and you're, and you're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Next phase. Yeah. So from there we have the shortest, but a very powerful part of our cycle, which is ovulation. And, you know, when people Google, like, when does ovulation happen? It'll say, oh, it's day 13 or day 14 of your 28 day cycle. So really it's generally somewhere around the halfway point, but if, if you, it, there's there's like a little give with that, right? Like some women will ovulate day 12, some women will ovulate day 17. So this is a part where I think if women really want to know like, oh, when do I actually ovulate? Now we have to start paying attention to some things because of course you could do ovulation testing. You can also play around with tech, like an aura ring and kind of watch for a little temperature spike because this typically happens at ovulation. You can pay attention to some other little things that I'll get into in a second. But really what I want women to understand about ovulation is I I wish I could bring up a little graph of what's happening hormonally right now, because all you see is a bunch of things spiking at the same time. Like there is a lot of hormonal activity happening right now. Estrogen is reaching a peak. We're getting into the brain component now where brain is signaling the ovaries to release an egg to actually ovulate. So now we're getting peaks in something called luteinizing hormone and FSH. These are things that if you've ever gone on a fertility journey, you're like, oh, I recognize the name of those. My doctor was testing them all the time. Yes, because we need to to make them to be able to ovulate. And that is happening in the brain. So flood of hormone soup happening right now But interestingly enough, how we feel is we're typically glowing. Like I always joke around with uh, some of my clients when the events that they're running match up with ovulation. We're like, yes, this is going to be perfect because 
it's when you look at that woman and you're like, oh my God, she's glowing. Look at her. I just want to be around her. She's magnetic. She's probably ovulating because that's how we feel. And everybody else feels that too. Our, our charisma is really that superpower right now, just because of all of those hormones going on. We can also feel an increased sex drive as well. So that's another thing to pay attention to if you're trying to figure out when am I ovulating. Most women generally have a higher sex drive around that time because bodies are smart, right? They, they want us to be able to get pregnant even if we don't actually want to get pregnant at a given time. So all of that is going on as long as you're ovulating. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't feel any of those. I actually feel terrible around halfway through my cycle. I feel bloated. I feel tired. I don't ever get this, this special glowworm butterfly phase you're talking about. That's actually a big signal that something might be amiss, right? Maybe you're not getting those hormone spikes. Maybe the brain isn't communicating. And I, I bring this up just because I know you and I are both in this biohacking world where a lot of women are into all these different tools, into fasting, things like that. Well, when the body is like really stressed out and not just emotionally stressed out, like if we're doing almost too much of these other things, too much fasting, too much things that spike cortisol, it's going to interfere with that brain signal that we need to ovulate. So a lot of women who are doing, you know, almost too much fasting or not fasting, you know, as, as our, our colleague, Dr. Mindy says, not fasting like a girl they're not ovulating and you're kind of missing out on this really cool couple of days where you have just a lot of power as being a woman. So super important as we look at this short phase is what are we doing to really take advantage of this? Like we feel really good, but it's a fine line between leaning into that and making sure we're not overly stressing ourselves out heading into it. I would say big superpowers here from the brain, like definitely being social, networking. My, my ladies in the corporate world, great time to ask for a raise just going to be way more confident heading into it. If you can possibly schedule like your presentations, your launches, your speaking gigs, if you're an entrepreneur for here, that energy is going to come through a lot. So it's a really cool phase, even if you're not trying to get pregnant, that I would love for women to actually experience. And when we look at the prevalence of hormonal birth control, this is the phase that is completely eradicated by using it. So unfortunately, you miss out. You miss out on this goodness, which kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to think about with that. That's our feminine power. Wow. Yeah. I never even thought about it like that. I was going to say, I've been, I've been seeing people posting about studies, how like, and I have to read them myself, I'm not sure, but studies looking at women on hormonal birth control, how it even impacts their choice of romantic partner. And I guess I just wonder, and I'm like, oh, well, they're not missing this. They're missing this whole phase of a cycle. Like, that's really interesting. I wonder what the the biochemistry of that is, but uh, that's an area that I want to look a little more into and understand what the underlying mechanism is. But the first time I saw I saw that on like a social media post, I was like, well, that's terrifying. Holy moly. Yeah. But you think about now that you completely understand the space, how powerful it is. You you step into it. You feel it. I mean, me and some of my girlfriends had an event in LA last weekend and I told them, I'm like, who's ovulating? Like we're on stage together. Who's ovulating? And there were like three of us. And we we're like, that's amazing. <laughs> we're going to be on fire. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's so easy to understand this again when we just boil it down to who we are as women. And obviously when we're ovulating, that's when we're going to want to be the most out there. We're designed to reproduce, literally. Mm -hmm. So whether or not that's our goal based on what's going on in our life, yeah. we're very much doing what nature God intended us to do. It's funny. I was at um, 
Kaya, our six-year-old, her little friend's birthday party recently. And I was not in this phase. I was in the phase where like, I didn't want to be there. (laughs) I wanted to like headphone in and like be in my hoodie in the corner. And I'm like, you know, feeling all the things hormonally. It's like your lens, right? When you know this stuff, it's just how you see the world. Yeah. And in walks my friend, I swear it was like, she was a peacock. Like, <laughs> she, I'm like, are you ovulating? I know that's really question, a really weird question. She's like, yeah, why would you ask? I'm like, cause you can just tell who in the room is and isn't yeah. like she was there for everybody. It's so funny. That's such a good way of putting it. This is the lens we see the world. I, you know, I, like you, I have a lot of my friends who are in the health space and then the ones who are not. And sometimes I have to like, oh, right. I need that translation step. So they don't think I'm just totally whack asking them questions about like, honey, you're ovulating. Like, personal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do need to filter that a little bit better. Thank God she's a good friend. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's probably not super appropriate. <laughs> okay. Anything else on that beautiful goddess phase? Something that I think about right now, we, we talked about how, you know, ovulation is just this hormone soup, tons of hormones flooding our body. We obviously don't want to overly stress ourselves out, like we said in those just so that we can actually ovulate. But because we tend to feel so good right now, I do find this is a great time for female athletes to like try and hit their PRs. Like that flood of estrogen makes us just feel really strong. So when I was doing more powerlifting a couple of years ago, that was definitely a time like, okay, today's the day I'm going for my my one rep max. Like I'm testing it today. I'm feeling really, really strong, really good. That's a great way to, to think about that in terms of other tools like Again, most of us feel pretty good right now. So you can probably get away with, you know, you can probably still do some ice ice baths, ice plunging, probably still do some heat therapy uh, because women do get a little bit of a temperature spike, might not be as comfortable spending a lot of time in a sauna, just like already running a little hot for that day. But, you know, again, listening, listening to your body, things like that. I do find from a nutritional standpoint, it can be helpful here to bring in some extra things to just help metabolize hormones because you do have so many. So especially if you're someone who's prone to a little bit of like PMS, high estrogen, like add in some, add in some cooked broccoli. If you're a veggie eater, bring in like some ginger, turmeric, maybe cucumber water, things just kind of like help you flush some of that out after that peak decreases a little bit. So there's things you can do just like nutritionally and lifestyle wise, just to help not only support that, but also support as those hormones are coming back down so that you don't experience like bloating, water retention, things like that. And I know that's a lot of what you coach women on in in your programs, which we're going to make sure we have everything in the show notes. I know you've got some free gifts, so everybody definitely hang out till the end. Um, So many, so many resources. All right. Phase four. Yeah. So after ovulation, we head right into something called the luteal phase. And we're here right up until we get our period. And this phase, I think, is really misunderstood by a lot of us because if we do have some underlying hormonal imbalances, this is typically the phase where women will experience PMS, mood changes. It's, you know, as we get into our late 30s, 40s, and hit perimenopause, this is the phase they'll show up in first. But it's actually a really cool phase. If I had to pick a favorite, this would actually be mine. So I want to explain first what's happening hormonally. We just had this huge flood of hormones and ovulation. Now, as we head through the luteal phase, that estrogen starts to come down. It doesn't totally flatline. It goes through another slightly smaller peak, but it's not quite as high as it was during ovulation. Really, the star of the show in the luteal phase is progesterone, which is 
I think a lot of women have only heard of progesterone if they've been on a fertility or pregnancy journey, because it is really important to be able to maintain a pregnancy. But what we also know about progesterone is it plays a big role in helping like calm anxiety and helping us have a calm mind and helping us sleep really well. So sometimes if there's issues with progesterone, it it doesn't always look like a traditional PMS with cramping and bloating, things like that. Sometimes it looks like not sleeping as well, feeling more anxious, having trouble winding down, waking up in the middle of the night with your brain going a mile a minute. So progesterone is really important because it's lighting up other pieces of the brain, pieces that help us get into a deeper sleep, help us to remain calm. And the other thing that it's doing in these same areas is really helping light up areas of the brain that help us learn and integrate information. So whereas when we said in the early in our cycle, in that follicular phase, our superpower was creativity, it was planning, it was dreaming. Now what our brain is really capable of doing in the luteal phase is learning new things, remembering them, which you need deep sleep to do. So it kind of makes sense that progesterone is helping with that good sleep. And really your luteal phase is kind of like your get shit done phase. Like you're very good at checking things off a list, at following through on all of those plans that you created earlier in the month. So this is a great time to just do like admin tasks, things that like, you know, paperwork, accounting, things that don't necessarily require a lot of creativity, but need you to be able to like get things done very quickly. Um, Also a great time if you're like learning, doing continuing ed credits, saving up master classes and courses, this is a really good time to tap into those and actually make the most of that information, listen to educational podcasts, but we need the sleep to be able to integrate that. So I think learning more about progesterone, being proactive about testing your progesterone as a woman, especially in your 30s and 40s, is a huge, huge thing that a lot of us are not doing and aren't educated about, but that's so important for reasons other than pregnancy and fertility, like just quality of life, sleeping, feeling like we're able to stay on top of our game. So that's kind of what's happening in hormones and brain during this luteal phase. And now also what we're looking at, since we're talking so much about biohacking and stress, is similar to when we first have our period, the nervous system quality is changing in the luteal phase. Now we tend to be a little more sympathetic dominant. We actually don't handle stress quite as well. We can feel a little more frazzled. So great time to not overload ourselves with super stressful events. We can tend to not be quite as social here either. Um, Maybe not quite as introverted as when we're on our period, but a lot of us don't necessarily want to be going out five nights a week or doing a ton of networking during this time. Just just a time to kind of focus on, again, getting things done instead. So very different set of circumstances here when we look at our day-to-day life than earlier in our cycle. And when we start bringing the biohacking tools into the picture, okay, we're not handling stress quite as well here. Do I want to go overly stress my body with some of these tools? Probably not. We can still use them, but we can change our intention and how we use them. So I know you're big on educating people about fasting. Well, maybe we don't do long fasts during this phase. You know, if we're we're jumping in a sauna, maybe we keep the sessions to 30 minutes or less because once those sauna sessions get longer, we know they are increasing cortisol, things like that. 
maybe in the luteal phase, we really look at our nutrition and make sure we're doing things to help keep our blood sugar balanced since we know that contributes to stress. So we're not skipping meals. We're getting some protein, some fat, some fiber, keep that regulated. We're paying attention to our continuous glucose monitors if we're wearing those. So it's a little more thought, a little more need for self-care during this time to help support all of those changes going on. So many good things. I want to talk more about progesterone because it's such a massive challenge for so many women. Yeah. Um, what are some other signs of perhaps low progesterone? In addition to like, you know, we talked about things like the sleep and stuff like that. Well, the other thing that we have to think about is if even if your estrogen levels are normal, but your progesterone gets really low, it puts us in this state of like a relative estrogen dominance. So now we get both sides of the coin. Like we have, okay, I'm not sleeping. I'm, my brain is kind of not doing well. I'm anxious. But now I'm also getting what looks like estrogen symptoms, things like PMS, like bloating, like water retention, because we've created a relative imbalance. And this particular picture I think is relatable for a lot of women who have gone to the doctor and they said, okay, we'll test your, we'll test your blood work. We'll look at it. Labs look fine because their estrogen levels are normal, but it's not normal in relation to everything else. So it can look like either. It can look like low progesterone. It can look like high estrogen, even if your estrogen isn't high. And it can also just look like not, I don't know how to, how to phrase this, like less vitality. Like you just, you just feel like you're struggling a little bit more is what most, most women will explain it as. They're like, I feel like I miss half of my month. I don't feel like I can finish anything. I don't feel like this can happen. Like, they're just missing out on that, um, which is really frustrating for a lot of women who are driven high achievers, who are busy moms to all of a sudden feel like my world is falling apart. I'm emotional. I'm not feeling well. I'm not sleeping. Everything stresses me out. I'm overly reactive. And we can get all of these when someone's progesterone is really bottoming out. And there's so much we can do about it. We don't have to fight this uphill battle. So when we talk about testing, are these tests that women can get done at their traditional OBGYN if they ask for them? I always say it depends on your OBGYN. Uh, some are open to helping you get tested. Some are not. And they're still in this place where they're going to tell you like, oh, you don't need it, blah, blah, blah. Um, also keeping in mind, that's not like me saying OBGYNs are bad. It's saying like some of them weren't taught all of this this way. Some of them have to make their decisions based on what insurance companies will reimburse. And that does mean certain labs are on the okay list, certain labs are not. So I think it just depends also on, do you feel like your OB is someone that has open conversations with you, who listens, who understands where you're coming from and will help you get the testing or say, you know, that's not my area, but let's figure out someone who can help you get that testing. or is your OB the kind of doctor who's like, you don't need that. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not running it. Um, there's one OB who I would stay with and one who I would not stay with, regardless of whether they were in my insurance network or not. I want someone who's going to have these conversations with me, who, if they're not going to order something, are going to be upfront with me about why um, versus being very dismissive of that. But the good thing is if you have an OB and you're like, okay, well, this is who I have right now. They're not ordering tests. There's a lot of other ways for women to get access to these tests now. There's been an explosion of different lab companies who can ship direct to home and help women with getting set up with these tests. There's plenty of different types of 
um, functional providers and coaches who can help. So I think women have more resources than they realize. 100%. And I know this is, you work with patients on this, correct? I do. Yeah. So I do, I do a lot of functional medicine consulting and strategy work for women now. A lot of the times it is alongside their their medical doctors that they have who are not running these tests and who are who say like this is not something I do but what i find is when we can all work alongside each other it is so much better for the patient um they feel like they have a team in their corner versus two like warring parties who are constantly just negative about each other and like really that doesn't help anyone i actually think as healthcare providers like that's our egos getting in the way um, when we focus on the person in front of us and what do we need to do to really get them a comprehensive approach to not just feeling good, but feeling really great, that makes a huge difference. So people, I know we'll have everything in the show notes because I do know there are going to be listeners that are going to want to you know, learn more about how you can support them. So we'll make sure we put all your resources below. Um, one more thing I want to pick your brain about in regards to progesterone, how do you feel about progesterone creams? Uh, I, like think- Quicksilver, I know Quicksilver makes one that a lot of women use during especially that luteal phase. I think we're kind of turning a corner where women are not terrified of like hormone creams and bioidenticals anymore. I think for a while, a lot of women, they heard like a couple of studies and people were like, hormones cause cancer, never take them. But that that's really not the case. And for women in our 30s and 40s, like, we can help choose our experience as our hormones start to shift by looking at like, okay, well, if my body is just not going to make these all the time and I'm trying really hard to address my nutrition and my stressors and my lifestyle, but like those can make such a big difference in quality of life. And I think, you know, creams versus, you know, other forms of that, it really just depends on personal preference and can be guided by lab work. But I, I think those can be a game changer for a lot of women. Um, so I'm personally a, a big fan. I do. Yeah. I love, I've started using their cream maybe like six months ago during that phase specifically and like massive changes in my sleep. I feel like my cycles are pretty regulated, but I would get pretty hyped up like around that phase and not sleep so great. Um, felt fine, would get up, you know, 3 4 AM. Sometimes I still do. It just feels good. I'm like ready to go, go to bed really early, <laughs> yes. but I've noticed a big shift with a little bit of the quicksilver progesterone cream. Yeah, and I think I think this is a really cool learning point that for a lot of us who are very driven, high achieving women, I I see this whether women realize it or not is they're in their late 30s, they're in their early 40s. We know their progesterone is starting to drop and they are adamant about doing things naturally. They're like, I don't need it. I'm going to just try harder with other things and it's like we take it like a personal failing that our hormones are naturally shifting. And like this, this is just what happens. Like this is nothing you're doing wrong. Like it's going to happen one way or another. So can we flip the script on that and instead of looking at it as we're doing something wrong? Like, oh, this is my this is my body changing as it should. How do I best support it now? Because it's going to look a lot different than what I was doing in my twenties or my early thirties, and it's going to change every single decade. And this is this is really like embracing aging instead of taking it as a personal failing that our bodies are changing or shifting. Yeah. And I think too, just in the reality of the lives that we live, you know, again, just going back to how our bodies are designed genetically, like we are still, as our hormones are shifting, there's still a lot of work to be done. We're still juggling a lot of things and we can, we can have it all. And I love that 
you know, it doesn't have to feel like a personal failure or anything. It's, you can use these things to support and, and function optimally. Well, so many resources. I know we do have to wrap up here um, pretty quickly. I would just want to end with a few questions. You know, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges for middle-aged women today? And, you know, how can this information kind of help shift that? I think that one of the biggest challenges is I find, you know, we live in this world that was created as the nine to five world that did not consider a woman's physiology. It was built on the premise of men's bodies, whether we, you know, take from that what you will, but that's typically what it is. Men are the same day in and day out. Like no one thought about like building a couple of flex days for women later in our cycle. And also it was built with the assumption that there was going to be another person helping out with like home tasks, like that corporate nine to five schedule that was doable because someone else was taking care of cooking and cleaning and all of that. So now we look at midlife women who are working in schedules that are not aligned with their body and they're doing all that other stuff on top of it. So two jobs (laughs) and it can feel like a lot. And I think a lot of us who are there right now grew up with like a certain behavior being modeled to us that like, that was the woman's role. Like we got to do it all. Like this is, this is it. And there's, there's a lot of like interesting social things of women who work versus women who are at home versus women who are doing both. And like, I would love to throw all that out the window and encourage us to be much more supportive of each other. But I think it also starts with us when we're looking at this, recognizing like, wow, this world was not structured for us. We have to start changing that. And we have to start letting our kids see that because then it will change. And I I think we're seeing it like, uh, say what you want about Gen Z, but like they're doing some really cool stuff with being like, no, I am not going to answer my phone late at night. Like, no, I am not showing up to work on Saturdays. And while some people are like, they're lazy. I'm like, no, this is awesome. They are recognizing the need to, to actually live this life versus kind of, you know, being stuck on this hamster wheel that we're not always sure why we're doing it. So I think the big thing that I want women in this age group to mentally start working towards is I can still do all these things I want to do. I can be a mom. I can run my business. I can enjoy life with my partner. I can experience this world, but I need to shift the glasses I'm wearing. I need to start looking at it through this lens of how my body is set up versus trying to do everything and fighting my physiology. Um, And I think that's just a very powerful way of starting to shift like those really high self-expectations we put on ourselves. I love it. It's such a good time to be a woman, don't you feel? Yeah, it is. (laughs) All right, let's touch on, you've got a couple amazing masterclasses and I know we're going to do a giveaway. So let's talk about those. Yeah, so I have a couple of things to share with your audience. Um, There's some masterclasses on cycle syncing and then biohacking for female hormones. So really just a lot of the things that we're talking about, walking you through phase by phase, what's going on? How do I create my work schedule? What should my nutrition look like? How to optimize my workouts, how to bring in those biohacking tools and like what to do if there's some issues with those hormones. Like, oh, I have high estrogen. What are some things I can do to bring that down? Oh, I have high stress and that's messing with my progesterone. How do I start to fix that? Um, So it's just a way of integrating and and learning all of these tools. Sometimes it takes a couple cycles to really get it. And then it starts to feel, you start to get this feeling like, wow, how was I ever not doing this? Um, But at first it feels a little weird because you're fighting what you've trained your body to do for literally decades at this point. Yeah. And I think again, just 
the information is so powerful. You know, there may be like when we find out that this certain week we're meant to be more internal and we have this huge week ahead of us, like what can we do? There's so much you can do. Just having, you know, your intention being about any moment I can getting a me minute and catching my breath or, you know, like I like to think about music a lot. So like I kind of shut off the world with my headphones and if I'm in the grocery store and it's an internal week, like I'm in my own little bubble world. There's so many little things we can do that don't take a ton of time that makes such a difference. And just knowing, like just knowing you're not failing, you're not, you're not lazy, you're not a slacker and everything's going to come back. This is temporary. So just go into it. It is so empowering. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So really that's what both of those are, are all about is how do I start doing that? Um, especially if you're someone who's like an all or nothing, I'm going to start doing 20 things tomorrow. Uh, it's going to break you of that habit and show you how to just <laughs> implement this in a much more sustainable way. <laughs> we don't know anything about that, do we, Laura? Oh, not at all. <laughs> never, never. Okay. And then let's talk about your other program and we'll link everything below. The Her Wellness Cult. Yeah, I am so, so excited. I have wanted to build community around these things that we're talking about today for so long. And I, I couldn't, couldn't quite figure out what that looked like, um, knowing that a lot of women needed the educational and learning piece. And also like, well, how do I do that in a way where all of these women are together learning about that? Also knowing that we're all busy and don't have time to like come to a structured group call every week. So her wellness fall, I spent most of last year just dreaming it up, designing it. It really became a hybrid membership to do just that. So everything in it is built to be very time efficient, 15 minutes or less at a time. And it really helps you first over the course of six weeks, build these foundations we're talking about. So you get to learn the foundations of women's health, of your hormones, all of that. And then you get to enter the rest of the vault, which becomes kind of a choose your own adventure journey. So like you want to dive more into hormones, you go to the hormone hub. You want to learn about detox and drainage, you head over there. You're interested in biohacking, you go over there. And there's different forms of learning, you know, um, master classes, private podcast threads. But the cool part is you're in a community with other women. So the women who are in there now, they're all at various parts of this program. They're learning different things, but they get to interact on a community forum. We have weekly like drop-in office hours. So you can come and get support like when you want it. You don't have to be there every week. Um, they get to learn from each other. And then we're building in like monthly social events. So in different parts of the country, like there's a couple people out in Phoenix, so they're going to meet up um, or we'll do like virtual ones where we can just come and jam on these topics and let you know you're not alone. Like women, we thrive in communities like we always have. So especially when it comes to things like health and self-care, starting to explore these different options alongside other busy, driven women, it becomes this really cool thing where you're like, oh yeah, we're, we're all doing this together. Like, that's really awesome. I love meeting like-minded women who are in a completely different industry, but here's what brings us together, wanting better health for ourselves, for our kids, for our families. And how easy. I mean, you hit on all the things that I was thinking in my head, like, I want to go in this, but I don't have time. It's too confusing. I get like, my schedule's crazy. Yeah. Thank you for creating that. I want to, can I be a part of it? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Selfishly, I was like, what would I have wanted? Like, not like, I love learning, but very structured group programs where I have to like show up every Tuesday from two to four. Like it just doesn't work with my schedule. I don't have the same schedule week to week. And then like 
practicing what I preach. Like some weeks I don't want to show up and talk to other people. So how do I build that into this learning experience? So that was, it was very intentional and in how it was structured for that reason. Incredible. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This has been one of my absolutely favorite podcasts and I'm so glad to see you. I'm so happy with all that you're doing for all the women around the world that need this. And um, thank you, Laura, so much for taking this time this morning. Ah, likewise. Always good to catch up with you guys. It's fun sometimes randomly running into you at continuing at conferences, but great to just spend a little, a little extra time. A hundred percent. Love you. Love you. Thank you, Laura. Of course. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. You now have so much incredible information around your cycle, your hormones, and the things that you want and maybe don't want to do during each phase of your cycle. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love if you would leave a review that helps other women that desperately need this information get access to it. As always, if you have a woman in your life who you know can benefit from this episode, please go ahead and pass it along. Also, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks.